The scripture reading this morning will be taken from John chapter 13, reading from verse 31 to 35. And as we prepare uh, to hear the word, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me uh, as we prepare to hear the word that God has laid upon my heart. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. When he had gone out, that is Judas Iscariot, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, and you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The season uh, birthed by Resurrection Sunday is called Eastertide in the Christian year. It is a season in which we do what the disciples did following the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is they began to remember very carefully what Jesus said should happen when he is not around physically as Christ. In other words, Christians follow this kind of tradition of living in the ways of disciples by remembering that Christ actually told us, showed us, demonstrated for us what it means to be a Christian post his death, resurrection, and ascension. It is a good season for all of us to ask ourselves, how do we live well in light of what Christ has done for you for me, for us. Our text selection this morning is perhaps familiar to many. It's a scripture that we hear children quote. Uh, one commentator uh, referenced this particular text, referencing this particular text, says that it is a, a command that is simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate. Did anybody of you uh, memorize scripture growing up uh, in, in, in Sunday school? for those of us in my age and so on. Uh, he says it's a command simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate, and it's profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend it and put it into practice. I give you a new commandment, says Jesus to his disciples, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. And then he adds to this, he says, if you love this way, others will know that you are mine. The world will know that you are my disciples by what? By your creeds, by your theological statements, by your denominations? No, by your love for one another. And so the simple question I hope to address this morning is this. Are we loving one another as we are loved by God? And if not, how do we get back on track? Chapter 13 marks a transition from Jesus' public ministry to a real focus on discipleship. 
If you read John carefully, you realize that the first part is kind of this revelatory work. Jesus performs miracles, ministers in public settings, does uh, uh, different things like engaging the woman uh, at the well and, and healing the paralytic. And, and Jesus is engaged in a ministry that John wants us to understand, reveals his identity. But in chapter 13, he makes this transition. He focused very specifically, very particularly upon his disciples. It is as if Jesus is saying, now, as I prepare for my departure, I really want you to get what I'm about. It is as if Jesus understands that he only has a limited time with those closest to him, and he wants to make sure that in his absence, they truly know what matters most. And so chapter 13 begins with an, an interesting experience. It says that having, having, having this desire to show them the extent of his love, the full extent of his love. Our translation says, having the desire to show them his love until the end, he, he, he becomes a servant. He, he takes off his outer clothing and he, he puts on a towel and he starts to wash the feet of the disciples. It's as if Jesus saying is, you know, I want you to rem remember not only what I taught, I want you to remember what I demonstrated for you. You know, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I realize the simplicity and the difficulty of following Jesus. You know, Jesus is one of those, 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 those persons in Scripture that doesn't only say, do what I say you must do, but he does it first. Whatever he asks of disciples, he has lived and done himself. This is the kind of teacher I long to be. And it is the kind of disciples we ought to be. It is the kind of parents we must be, that we will not ask our children to do things uh, that we are not ourselves willing to do. It is the kind of church that we ought to be, that we do not proclaim one thing while our life bears no witness to such transformation. But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, does not just give them another sermon. He bends down and starts to wash the feet of his disciples. It says, as if he's saying, if I want you to know love, I want you to know this kind of love. I want you to understand what love does. In other words, love for Christ is serving. It is to wash the feet of those disciples like Peter. It is an intimate setting and it is noteworthy that... <laughs> That, that, that Jesus sets the example, but not only does he accept the example of what love's look like, love looks like, he, he, he does so even to those who, who, who are going to deny and betray him. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, you know, sometimes when, when I took a text selection from a particular passage, it's, I have to do the work of locating that passage in the broader story. And within the broader story of John's gospel, uh, Jesus' command to love one another as he loved them 
is rooted in a context in which there would be betrayal and denial. <laughs> in other words, Jesus, when he says, love as I have loved you, is loving even those who will not be faithful to him. Is loving even the one who would leave right away to go and sell him out. The context is incredibly difficult and intimate and yet profound. Jesus loves even those who will prove themselves to not live up to his expectations. What a Savior. What a Jesus. What a Lord. You know, I, as I was preparing the sermon, something had happened within me. You know, I, I did the reading and I listened to what others said. But then there was this, this, this coming together of what happens when good preaching happens. And I certainly hope when good preaching will be happening this morning. But you know, this, this convergence of, do you hear what you're about to preach, Stu? <laughs> Do you hear the, the kind of Savior that I am, the kind of Lord that I am? Is that I love in, in, in sacrificial ways. I love in practical ways. I love without discriminating whom I love. I serve in such a way so that you would know when I say love as I love, that this is what love looks like. Boy, Jesus' love is so much more than loving those that love us back. Jesus' love is so much more than reciprocity in mutual relationships. It seems that Jesus loves in an extravagant, even wasteful way. There's a story in the Old Testament, the prophet Hosea. Has anybody ever read this story? It'll blow your mind. Perhaps if you're going to read it and you're a new Christian, ask someone to read it alongside you that's been a Christian for a while. It's a story of God coming to Hosea, a godly man. And God says to him, I want you to take this woman to be your wedded wife. Let's just say, for the sake of age censorship, she was a person of disrepute, did not have the most glowing reference or character. The kind of person that Jesus seems in the gospel to find is more receptive to him than others. And so... Hosea goes and takes this woman to be his wife. This woman is a woman who sold herself for money. And as she becomes his wife, things go really well. They have children together. And it seems like this whole God's will thing is perfect. <laughs> he gave me a woman, and she is faithful. And in biblical days in particular, she produced children. It is all good. But the scripture goes on to reveal to us that this woman that was supposed to be faithful returns to her prior ways, returns to the ways in which she lived prior to meeting the prophet of God. And then when you think you kind of are disappointed enough, God comes to this prophet Hosea and says, Hosea, Hosea, I want you to go and find your wife wherever she may find herself and bring her back. And when you read that Old Testament reference, you, you start to realize a few things. That God is demonstrating to the prophet the kind of grace and love that he has for even those who will disappoint him. God is demonstrating to one of Israel's prophets what it means to be a person defined by his love. That love is costly. That love is sometimes even embarrassing. But that is the kind of love that God demonstrates to his prophets saying to Israel, this is who I am. That Hosea goes and buys time to redeem his wife.
It is that God in Christ who washes the feet of a denier and a betrayer. And so as I listened to the text, I said to myself, is, is that good enough? Is that, is that where I end, Stephanie? Is that a good enough message? Stephanie says no. <laughs> I'm glad she says no. Because that's not where the story ends. You see, as I wrestled with the text and Jesus says, love as I have loved you, it seems like he's saying this, if you know how I love you, then you are able to love others in the same way. And so then the logical question to ask is, if we are not loving one another as Christ loved us, why is that? Why is it that we are not? And instead of me preaching to you, do this, do that, and do this, and this way you will love Jesus, I want to paint for you a picture out of this brief scripture of the kind of love that Jesus demonstrates. Because here's what I think happens. The reason we fail to love one another as God loves us is because we lose the perspective of God's love. I said this a few weeks ago, we reveal the kind of love we've received. We learn to love in the way in which we have been loved. And if there is a failure of the Christian church today, it is to rest, to abide in the love of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. If you want to love as God loves, then you must become enamored, infatuated with the person of Jesus because he is the truest, most fullest representation of God showing us what real and true love really means. I think the inadequacy in our culture today comes out of a direct deprivation of relationship. We are no longer abiding in the love of God. Therefore, our love knows limits. Therefore, our love is circumstantial. Therefore, our love is deliberatively marginalizing. Therefore, our love is insufficient, inadequate. Therefore, we count the cost. But when Jesus Christ becomes the example of God's love, it knows no boundaries, it knows no limits, and it goes beyond any expectation. It is forgiving, it is gracious, it is it's merciful and it is powerful. So here's what I say to you this morning. I say to you as the church, I say to me as your pastor, may we look to Christ to capture again a vision of the love of God. May we look to Christ again to be enamored by a love that is so gracious because if we capture that love, I, I want to say to you, we become dangerous to the enemy. When we capture that love of God, we become people that are gracious and merciful in a culture and in a world that says marginalized, in a culture that says count people's problems against them, in a culture that says keep people out. It is the love of God that we are in need of capturing a vision for this morning that will ultimately transform our love for one another. I feel like I need to sit down. Oh, I look for images of love in our world. I look for examples of love like this in my life. I can't help but becoming personal when I think about it before I share with you four points and all God's people says, that's one more than three, amen. God must have really spoken to this pastor because you know most pastors only have three points. Perhaps it's a rhetorical question. Perhaps a, 
instead of me sharing a personal illustration, I should ask you, where do you see such love? Where do you experience such love? Do we love in the ways of Jesus with our spouse, with our children, with our family, with our friends, with our colleagues, with those who don't like us? I think what keeps us or stifles our love for others begins with a pure, poor vision of God's love. And here is the love I think we see in Christ in our particular text. It is a love that humbles itself and comes to serve us. If you want to know what love looks like, it is servanthood. If you want to know what Jesus' love looks like, it is the kind of love that, that does not hold on to status. You know, Paul in Philippians chapter 2, in this wonderful hymn, says, Though he being in the image of God did not consider such privilege to be held onto, but emptied himself, gave himself up, becoming like us in every way. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave himself. He gave himself. He gave himself. The God who transforms the church is the God that comes to us on our level where we are, bends down before our dirty feet and washes it. The God that we see in Christ does not stay apart from who we are, is not embarrassed by our stinkiness or our dirtiness, and neither does he claim such superiority that he has nothing to do with us. This is not a God that is abandoned from creation. This is a God that knows you intimately and knows me intimately, and this is a God who comes as close as we will allow him to come. Some of us are like Peter. We say, don't touch my feet, because that's not the God I think you are. And Jesus says, if you do not let me touch your feet, you, and I paraphrase now, won't be able to touch the feet of others. If you will not allow me to love you like this, you will not love as I have loved you. The beginning point to comprehending a life of love begins to be apprehended by a Christ who becomes servant and washes the feet of those whom he loves. Have you allowed him to come close today? Have you allowed him to love you like this? You see, you may have poor examples of love. You may have inadequate examples of love, but perfect love is given to us in Christ. It is he that becomes like us to come and to heal and to restore and to save all that is broken in us. This is the God of Scripture. He doesn't stand back, Brother Martin, but he bends down and says, I want to do for you what perhaps you don't want me to do for you. You see, we cannot speak of Christianity in an impersonal way. When you keep a God a sterile, pristine, you lack the kind of relationship that teaches you what it means to love in a messy world. You see, if, if you and I begin to to, to comprehend this love, we, we understand that, <laughs> that it is Jesus who comes to us as he did to his disciples, as the one who loves and as the one who serves. But not only do we see the love of God in the humble service of Christ, we see a God who loves even when such love seems wasteful. Oh, man. <laughs> You know how I would describe God's love in Hosea? Extravagant and wasteful. You know how I would describe Jesus' love towards his disciples, especially when I think of Peter, and particularly as I speak of Judas, 
wasteful. Would you invest your time in washing the feet of the one who would sell you out for 30 pieces of silver? Would you invest your time in loving those who would profoundly testify that I will not betray you, I will not deny you, and yet, just a day later, seems to find themselves incapable of living up to the commitment that they made with their lips? Would you love like this? This is the kind of love we see in Christ, the kind of love that most of us, when we look at love, would say makes no sense, and therein lies the grace. You know, people are always saying they love stuff. Whew. I mean, it's a word that, that the Bible uh, gives us in a way that is very contrary to the way that culture defines love. The, the, the safety of such love, the mutual benefit of such love, these are all good things, necess not necessarily bad things, but it, it doesn't go far enough to give us a, a view of God's love. This love that, that does not discriminate even when someone is my enemy. My friends, hear me very carefully. I grew up in racial segregation. I was made to feel by the policies of our country and the symbols wherever I went that I had enough reason to feel less than others and enough justification to resent and to hate those who've said I'm not good enough. I do not stand before you to say, hey, look at Stu, how wonderful he is. I do not stand before you to suggest to you that hey, I am the perfect example, although I must be honest, I think we need to own being examples more than saying, oh, we're not perfect, as if to dismiss our own life as example and testimony. But I do stand before you to say that the only way in which I can learn as a pastor, as a colored, raised South African in a segregated culture to love indiscriminately is not from what I saw in my culture, but it is in the Christ that has redeemed me and saved me, the Christ that teaches me what sacrificial love looks like. I want to suggest to you that if you're struggling to love others, that the place to begin with having your heart transformed and changed is not to look towards people, but to look towards Christ. If there is someone that has caused you pain, if there is someone that has hurt you, you know, I, I can't tell you how desperately in need of this grace I am. There's, there's days where I start off with just the joy of Jesus. I have this app that says, it's time for morning prayer. And then I go to my prayer time, and I leave that prayer time feeling, Brother Martin, I'm ready for the day. I got my Jesus shoes on. I'm going to knock it out of the park today. I'm going to be gracious and loving and kind and patient. And then they cut me off at the first light. <laughs> and there goes Peter. So what do we do? I think we come to church, we come to worship, we read our scriptures, I think we pray every day. I think we need the grace of God to saturate us, to saturate us, to saturate us, because we are prone to love in ways that do not reflect the love we've received. 
Do not underestimate the power of actions over words. Do not underestimate that you do not have to be a sentimental, soppy person like I am. I cry at insurance commercials if done right. But the kind of love spoken of here is the kind of love that serves, perhaps even at times when we know it may cost us. Hear me now. There's no room for superficial, pretentious ways of thinking about love when you look at Jesus. This is the kind of love that might seem wasteful to the world, but it is the kind of love who humbly serves a friend knowing that the friend may even betray them. Why? Because such love is worth the sacrifice. Not only do we see God's love in the humble service of Christ and do we see God's love even when such love seems wasteful? God's love, and this is perhaps the most profound insight that I could gain from the text, He is a God who chooses us to make Himself known to the world. Did you get, did you get that? That He is the kind of God who loves in such a way that He chooses even Peter, and yes, even Judas, though Judas would betray and go his own way. He chooses us and says, I believe that in your relationships with one another, you can make me known to the world. <laughs> It seems like It seems like Jesus believes a whole lot more in us than we do in ourselves. You know, if, if you're in the church and this is your pastor, you go, you know, pastors too, I, I'm just an ordinary person. <laughs> you know, if Jesus was here today, and by the way, he is by his spirit, <laughs> he, he would be saying to you, yes, ordinary, but oh, how I love to do extraordinary things in ordinary people. Oh, how I love to show the world that what they consider to be power pales in comparison to a people who have learned to love as I have loved them. I look at our church and I say to myself, what is the vision for our community moving forward? What is the word for us in this next season of life? I want to suggest to all of us here today, it is to love as we have been loved. Peter, Judas, James, Mary, Elizabeth, Stu, Gary, Stephanie. He chooses imperfect people and yet perfectly, perfectly works his plan of grace within us. By this will all people know that you are my disciples, not by your great theology, not by how well you dress. And boy, do I look sharp this morning. Uh, yeah, say amen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Not, not about how right we are in our thinking, not diminishing that right thinking matters, that good theology matters, that a Bible-believing church matters, but this will identify us more than anything else in our world as belonging to Him when we learn to love one another here. I want to use some scientific words, so now I'm punching above my weight class. Two words, centripetal force and centrifugal force. Anybody impressed yet? 
Centripetal force is defined as the force that is necessary to keep an object moving in a curved path and that is directed inward toward the center of rotation. Centrifugal force is defined as the force that is felt by an object moving in a curved path that acts outwardly away from the center of rotation. I, I, want, to, I want to suggest to you that this is not a self-serving love, that we only are called to love one another and be nice to one another. By the way, some people will say, yeah, you know, Jesus elsewhere says love your neighbor. It's harder to love your neighbor than it is to love your friend. Sometimes it's really hard to love your friends. No amens? <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard to love your family. Don't say amen, because they're with you. <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard to love other people in the church. Who Did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> but the kind of love we model one to another is not a love that is just self-serving. It is the kind of love that this particular force describes when that love happens in us. It becomes a powerful influence outside of us. I wonder sometimes if in our efforts to make God known, we have missed the simplicity of loving one another as the starting point to such witness. Let me say very clearly to you, the church is not perfect. No one's surprised. Yet it seems to me, and there's no big problems in our church. Thanks be to God. Let's keep it that way. Amen? Please say amen. I don't want big problems. But it seems to me that sometimes when we don't live in this abiding love of God, we do not have the capacity to love even when things get hard. It seems that if Christ is not the example of love, we seem to bail on things quicker than when we would stay because we have seen in him a demonstration of faithfulness and commitment. My friends, let me say to you, do not underestimate the power of God at work within a community of faith to bring transformation and healing and restoration, not only to us, but to our world, if we would but recognize that the church becomes the wonderful testing ground for learning how to love others as we have been loved. So, how do I end? I listened to the Lord this week. You say, well, Pastor, don't you listen to the Lord every week? That's a little dodgy. Some weeks I listen more. So pray for me that I would do that more often. And as I was preparing this sermon, I thought to myself, uh, I really have to get my exegetical work done. It's getting late in the week, and... Helen's going to need a sermon title, and I'm really bad at that. The Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart, pray, 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 pray. <laughs> um, pray, Stu, so that you would never, never think that it's because of what you say that um, lives are changed, even though I use what you say. Pray that the Word of God here at Skyview would take root and seed and birth some new things within us. Pray that God's Holy Spirit would be manifest 
in the difficult relationships we have because we've learned how to reconcile and make things right. Pray that the Holy Spirit would mark this church by the joy we have when we come into worship. Pray that we would trust Him so much so that we would be filled to the full measure of all that He wants to give us so that love would be overflowing even in the hard relationships that we have with others. Pray because I am able to do more than you think I can do. And then my mind went as I sat in these chairs yesterday afternoon praying to Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read this as I close. It's taken from a paraphrased version of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson, who profoundly has impacted many pastors with his books and his thoughts. But perhaps what impresses me most about Peterson is his deep love and relationship with Christ. Hear what he, how he translates this chapter. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. <laughs> That's an amen. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Praise be to God for Jesus Christ. Praise be to God that he has not left love undefined, ambiguous, 
purely sentimental. Thank God for Christ who teaches me as a father and a husband and as a pastor and as a person and as a follower and as a friend what it means to love. If there is a gap between my love for others and the love I've received from God, I pray that the gap this morning would be closed by the grace of God. May it be so in me and may it be so in you. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the lesson I learned this past week again, something that I should know, but something that you've brought to mind so powerfully. You are love. The quality of my relationships with my brothers and sisters in this community is derivative from the quality of my abiding, remaining, learning from you what it means to love. Some of us here this morning sense the Holy Spirit challenging us, speaking very directly to us. Father, I pray that if there be any way in which your Spirit is directing us to reconcile, that we would be obedient. <laughs> if there's any way in which your Holy Spirit is directing us to offer forgiveness, then may we be obedient. If there's any way in which your Holy Spirit is just wanting to affirm deep within our hearts that we are loved by you, May we be open that your spirit would testify to our spirit that we belong to you. If there be anyone here that feels so insignificant, so unworthy, so incapable, I pray, Lord, that your grace would wash over such doubt, your Holy Spirit would fill such heart and mind, and remind such person today in the presence of this community of faith that you have come to serve them because you love them. And if you deem them good enough to be served, they are good enough for you, and they are good enough in this life. Bring hope. Bring courage, bring restoration, but above all things, pour out your Spirit upon young and old that we may love as we've been loved. Amen.